0: guest this week is Dr. Laura Shaheen, a physician, mom, author, blogger, and you may have seen her while scrolling through your TikTok feed where she gives out advice to more than 250,000 followers. She's a reproductive endocrinologist, a fertility doctor. She's a partner at Pacific Northwest Fertility and an associate clinical professor at the University of Washington. Dr. Shaheen is working with celebrities like Chrissy Teigen on a new campaign called Fertility Out Loud which is a program meant to help the one in eight couples struggling with fertility by encouraging them to speak up. But speaking up isn't always easy. It's emotionally draining and you might not be ready. And with holidays like Father's Day and Fourth of July heading our way, family gatherings can be awkward with questions like, when will you make me a
1: grandparent? Like, I don't know why. <laughs> in like a situation where we're just chatting, things come up like, oh, when are you having kids? or Um, Or if you have a child, well, when are you going to give them a sibling? You know, like it's an automatic, like it has to happen. I actually had people say to me, um, you know, your eggs aren't getting any younger. And
0: if you're single, scrolling through your Instagram feed when everyone is posting pictures of their kids can be tough. We'll talk about all that. Dr. Shaheen explains why infertility isn't small talk. So she'll give us some tools to navigate those situations. And did you know that during the pandemic, there was a drastic increase in fertility preservation, like elective egg freezing? But when it comes to the finances surrounding egg or embryo freezing, IVF, etc., will you just be stuck paying a fortune? Why are you even having to do this? Is your body broken? How do you mentally deal with the entire journey? Buckle in, we've got a lot to cover in this episode. Hope you enjoy it. Dr. Shaheen, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So
0: doctor, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, infertility, the stigma surrounding infertility. And I'd like to begin by asking you to tell us a little bit about this new campaign that you're a part of. It's called Fertility Out Loud.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm not only a fertility doctor, but I went through my own experience in trying to start my family. And I just realized through my work and personal experience, just how common infertility is, but how little resources there are or support and sort of finding help along that journey. And so one resource that's now out there is Fertility Out Loud. It's a wonderful resource for finding practitioners that can help you with fertility, finding resources for support. And I'm really excited about it.
0: Interestingly, it's something that's come up, I think, in my life quite frequently lately with a lot of my friends going through this type of journey, whether it's with infertility, whether deciding to plan for a family in the future, or even just the insecurity of not knowing when they're going to meet a partner and what age they might be and if they'll be able to have kids. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about all of these different subjects. I saw a statistic on your website and on the Fertility Out Loud website. It says one in eight couples struggle with infertility. So tell me a little bit about um, this number, one in eight. That seems like a lot.
1: I agree. And it's true. And I think, um, you know, part of it is just understanding what infertility is, and then you can understand how common it is. So infertility is defined by the World Health Organization as a disease, which I think is very important, a disease in which you're unable to conceive and have a live birth within the first year of trying. And that's really important too, because it's not just, can we get pregnant, but can we get pregnant and then go on to have a baby? So it includes people with miscarriage. And, you know, a lot of people will not have infertility. So I think it's important to also give accurate information. So 85% of people will conceive within the first year of trying. Um, So it's really these 15% of people that don't. And there's other reasons to seek help maybe even sooner than a year. I think that's something that's really important to talk about. You know, this year of trying is assuming that it's a heterosexual couple, first of all, and there's lots of different ways to build a family. It's assuming that the couple um, is able to try, which you should never assume because there's lots of things to kind of consider. And then also it assumes that the woman is having regular predictable menstrual cycles, which means regular predictable ovulation. So sticking to this one year mark is important because most people will conceive that time, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't seek help sooner.
0: As I was researching a little bit about you and infertility as a whole to prepare for this podcast There are so many different topics surrounding infertility, but I think one thing that is very thematic is that it's very difficult to speak about infertility. And I know that you mentioned um, fertility out loud and this idea of just talking more about it. My whole goal with my podcast is to take headlines in the news and to understand the psychology happening behind the headlines and also how people deal with those headlines in their own personal lives and what I think is interesting about this particular topic is that there aren't a lot of headlines out there. It's not something that we're typically talking about often. Why do you
1: think that is and why is it so difficult to speak about this issue? Because there's an assumption that we're in complete control of our fertility. We are taught in middle school and high school health class that it is so easy to conceive that we have to worry about conceiving when we aren't ready and that we have access to birth control methods. And without finishing that story, finishing the fact that when you are ready to conceive, that there might be an issue or it might take longer than expecting, then we're allowing for this assumption that we're in complete control. So when you do find yourself being that one in eight couple that's having difficulty that is not the narrative that you've been taught or assumed or seen in movies or on tv shows and so therefore you feel like there must be something wrong with me i'm alone in this process it's very isolating and one thing that's wonderful is that people have started talking about this you know on social media there's a little bit more about it in um some of the mainstream films or tv and then you have you know, celebrities like Chrissy Teigen, who's a part of Fertility Out Loud, coming out and sharing their very personal stories to say, Hey, I am beautiful and successful and, you know, achieved all of these things in life, but yet I can still have a miscarriage too. I can still tr- struggle to build my family. And so then everybody says, can feel a little bit like, Wow, I'm not the only one.
0: And it's obviously so difficult to speak about things that are not going well in your life, especially when you're a public figure. A lot of people just find this whole thing stressful. Can you talk about how stress and infertility go hand in hand?
1: Absolutely. You know, it's sort of the chicken or the egg. Does stress cause infertility or does difficulty building your family cause stress? And I think you can't really pull it apart because I think it's all intertwined and there's a huge mind-body connection. And so I don't tell my patients, don't stress, because then they're going to stress about stressing and it's just going to spiral. What I say is we all need to work on stress management and mindfulness tools and self-care, whether you're trying to build your family or not, because we all need practice in this. And I often describe to my patients, and just visually, this really helps me imagine two people at a bus stop, and they're both stepping into the intersection, and a bus almost hits them. The person who has practiced mindfulness or breathing techniques or is in therapy is going to recover from that really intense burst of cortisol and sort of stressful moment quicker than the person who hasn't put that work in to really practice self-care. So they're both going to have the same experience, but the person who has worked on these really important tools is going to have a shorter impact of the cortisol and the stress, and it just helps them move on faster. That analogy just kind of really helps me when I'm thinking about it.
0: As we, I know you said it's linked together, but as we kind of um, talk a little bit about the causes of infertility or some of the factors that um, contribute to infertility, I know there are a wide range of um, medical conditions that can also contribute. um, But I do want to ask you how that plays also a factor in the emotional toll of infertility, right? Because I don't want to focus on each individual health condition because then we could spend hours talking about it. But um, just this concept of already, you know, if you are dealing with some sort of um, medical condition already, that is stressful. And then it kind of all culminates in this more difficult challenge of infertility.
1: Right. I think a great example of what you're talking about is maybe male factor infertility. So, Um, we sort of in society can assume that if there's something wrong with a couple sort of trying to conceive, well, it must be the woman's fault, but at least 30% of the time we find a male factor, meaning, um, it's very rare to have absolutely no sperm, but like a lower count or a low motility or something like that. But in those instances where it really is a really strong male factor, like there are rare cases where there's azospermia, there's just no sperm. And the ejaculate, and that couple is trying to navigate and consider their options. There is a huge emotional impact on everybody involved, but specifically the male partner. You know that is not a part of his narrative, kind of growing up and not thinking about fertility and not thinking about being able to have a child in the natural way. And I know you can't see it, but I just put up air quotes because the word "natural" is so <laughs> um, difficult to define, and um, and so. Um, I would think that that's going to add many, many layers. And so that, or maybe a couple where the female partner has blocked fallopian tubes, you know, the only reason that they're going through IVF or having to, you know, do fertility treatment is because something that she has no control over, but it's with her anatomy. And there's a sense of guilt, like, gosh, we wouldn't have to do this if it wasn't for me, if my body wasn't broken. And I put that in air quotes too. And so that's another reason why it's so important to find other people that you can share the emotional impact for this and find that support that you need.
0: I want to dive a little bit more into that because, um, and you've touched on this in a few of your answers, but this idea that especially for women, um, that fertility is so linked to their identity. And you know, when you're younger, um, there is a lot of conversation surrounding not becoming pregnant when you're young and the stigma surrounding that. Um, perhaps in your 20s, you're the most carefree. I know that I'm in my mid-30s and a lot of my friends and I have had the conversation about family planning. I um, am not married and I don't have children yet. So I wonder when that time is going to come And will I be young enough to have children? And then I have another subset of friends who are trying to become pregnant. They're going through infertility issues. And then I have other friends who are older and have said to me, I accept that I will not have my own children naturally. Um, So there's a lot wrapped into that and a lot wrapped into a female's identity or a woman's identity.
1: Yeah, there's an expectation that, you know, As women, we should be able to bear children and have children in the way that we expected it to happen as we were growing up. You know, if you're heterosexual, find a partner um, and it'll just happen naturally. And we just, you know, that's the story, that's the narrative. And if we are not able to have children in the way that we thought that we would, it's a grieving process, you know, whether it's um, lost time or, worried about making previous decisions or, um, you know, really soul searching, um, there's a deeper level, you know, to this. And, um, it's important to kind of go through those feelings and sort of uh, validate them and work with them kind of through the process
0: for all types of couples that are going through the infertility process or trying to conceive a child and trying to start a family. I don't know the best way to phrase that, but um, same-sex couples and, you know, uh, heterosexual couples, as they're going through this process, there is a lot to think about as well. It's expensive. It's um financially difficult and it can be really daunting and overwhelming. You know, we have the pandemic on top of things right now. Career, a lot of um, businesses don't have plans that cover IVF, for example, and it becomes comes just really almost this, I think overwhelming is the best word that I can use process. And so sometimes I think people tend to give up or become a little bit hesitant. Do you see a lot of that in your practice?
1: Fortunately, when people have come to me, they have already decided that they're going to seek help or just ask questions, but I can, I do worry about people that never even make it to the practice. Um, When I've met with a patient, it's something that we bring up right away because there's less than 20 states in the United States that require any sort of fertility coverage by insurance companies. Now, there are some that do, but Washington state is not one of those states yet. Although there are some wonderful advocates in the state of Washington that are lobbying for that and working for it, it's not there yet. And I do believe that there's this assumption that you know testing isn't going to be paid for or treatment isn't going to be paid for And a lack of understanding or, um, you know, you know, just misunderstanding what's out there can be a very large barrier to care because oftentimes people have benefits that they don't even know, or they'll find out that a lot of the testing is actually covered or even some simple fertility treatments are covered. So I would just really make sure that people do not make assumptions and get information. Um, And there are so many creative ways to pay for treatment if it does need to be out of pocket. I have a whole blog post on that. There are multiple grants for fertility that are national or even local. There are several companies that pay for fertility benefits that you might not even realize. Like, of course, you think about like Microsoft or Amazon or Facebook as coverage because that's been in the news. That's that's made big headlines that those um, tech companies were covering it. But you might not realize that Starbucks has one of the best fertility benefit coverage, and um, you don't. Necess- and it can be for their part-time baristas. So just that can change. Don't quote me, but ask questions and don't make assumptions. Like you said, so many
0: of us have just been conditioned to think, "Oh, it will just happen naturally." And when it doesn't, then it's almost this paralysis. What do I do? And it seems to me what you're saying is the more you ask questions and the more you look at different resources, you can find
1: creative solutions. That's exactly right. So don't make assumptions, ask questions, and you can find answers if you're able to talk to friends. I think it's lovely that you and your friends are being open with each other and talking about this. Um, that has not always been the case in every social circle or years past. So that's very encouraging for me to hear that. But if people don't have that resource, You know, there are online resources, Um, you know, Fertility Out Loud is partnering with Resolve.org, which is a wonderful patient-centered and patient-run resource for family building. And it's not just for fertility, it's for adoption and foster care and, um, you know, not only what you would think of traditional IVF, but using donor sperm or donor eggs or surrogacy. There's just a lot of different resources. And then you can also talk to your HR department. You can talk to your insurance carrier about coverage. And the more you ask, the more you're going to get the information that's going to help you.
0: What's been interesting to me as I get older and more of my friends are starting to have families, and I'm thinking about that as well, is that. There is so much of an emotional impact in that journey leading up to having a child, no matter what happens with it, right? I think sometimes we say to folks, oh, well, um, you know, my mom had three miscarriages and then she had me. And so, but you don't really analyze and really sit down and think about, well, that was still a journey as well. And that still might've been very
1: difficult, you know, even though in the end they do now have a child. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also you're bringing up a lot of points like trigger points and pain points for people who are struggling with infertility, like baby showers or discussions or sharing um, other people's journeys and sort of trying to help know how to find support for yourself or to support others that are going through it. Sometimes we don't know what to say. Uh, we're worried about saying the wrong thing. And my piece of advice is, you know, don't try to give medical advice, you know, leave that to the doctors. Don't try to overshare your own journey or your friend's, sister's, cousin's journey, because that, unless, unless the person who's asking for support wants to hear that journey, but most of the time they're just worried they're going to have a difficult journey too, and just make it simple. And you can just say, um, I'm here for you. I'm so sorry that sounds like it's a you know, tough situation. Just let me know how I can help.
0: I saw your blog post about Mother's Day and Mother's Day just passed. I know we have 4th of July coming up and some other holidays where traditionally families get together. And as you mentioned, those can be trigger points as well. Maybe even holidays that we don't think of just because the whole family is together and perhaps they're asking the couple about when they're going to have a child. Can you talk to
1: us a little bit about that and how to handle those situations? Absolutely. I have a blog post too. It's called reproduction is not small talk. Like I don't know why (laughs) in like a situation where we're just chatting, things come up like, Oh, when are you having kids? Or, um, or if you have a child, well, when are you going to give them a sibling? You know, like it's an automatic, like it has to happen. Or sometimes, you know, I actually had people say to me, um, you know, your eggs aren't getting any younger, you know, to imply like, I better, you know, get on that or being married for a year like okay when are the kids coming when are you going to make your mom a grandmother just all of these things come out and I really think you know people truly don't realize how hurtful this is but they have no idea what that other person has gone through whether it was a miscarriage last week or their second failed IVF transfer or so I just encourage people to just find something else to talk about you know <laughs> um you know, we're not really traveling these days, but, you know, if you could go anywhere, where would you go on your next vacation? Or where was your last vacation, you know, before the pandemic? Or what book are you reading? And then if you're that person who's fielding these kind of, um, you know, like uh, reproductive comments, you know, there's many different ways to handle it. You could be completely blunt and just be like, you know what, Um, we are trying, it's actually quite difficult. I really don't want to talk about it right now and I'll come to you if I am, but, you know, just, I'd really rather talk about something else. Like you could be totally blunt or you could just say, you know, um, I'd really rather talk about something else and, you know, change the subject, but you you don't have to talk about it and you can try to think through and kind of come up with maybe a couple of things you'd be comfortable saying, if you know, it's going to come up at an event.
0: So let me ask you this. What is the sweet spot? We want to talk about infertility, but sometimes it can be incredibly uncomfortable. And then on top of that, as you said, it's not small talk. So what is the sweet spot then? Where do we have this important conversation, make people feel safe in that conversation? Yet we also respect that maybe at the family barbecue, it's not a great idea
1: to ask when someone's going to have their third kid. Awesome. So I would think about it. If someone shares with you in confidence that they're going through a fertility journey, be mindful about to not share that with other people because they might not want you to tell Aunt Sally and then Aunt Sally to come ask her questions or him questions Um, and make it simple. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. That sounds difficult. Let me know how I can help. And you might just check in with them every once in a while, not pry, but you just might say, hey, how's it going? Do you want to talk? and if they're like oh i don't really want to talk right now great give them space um if you're that person that is going through infertility or miscarriage it's very personal what's right some people are just live an open book you know i um have patients that just share everything and that is right for them and other people who are super private and i think there's got to be some middle ground because for example when you're pregnant you know, we're sort of taught and told, oh, don't share until after the first trimester, because what if, well, what if, what, what? Well, because if you have a miscarriage, that's too uncomfortable to talk about and nobody wants to hear about that. And then, but oh my goodness, if you have a miscarriage, then you have to not only share, you don't have to share, but you want to, you are looking for support. You might share not only, oh, I was pregnant, but I had a miscarriage at the same time. Oh, you know, so maybe find your Really supportive people, share with a few people that you know are going to give you space or give you the support that you need. And um, you can find support in some pretty interesting ways if it doesn't feel good to be finding that in close friends or family because there's a lack of boundaries, right? So one-on-one therapy is amazing. Group therapy through resolve.org, which they're now doing virtual because of the pandemic. It's free and you can hop on a zoom call and find people all over the country that have similar stories and find that camaraderie and it's really amazing support um and then there's a lot of social media groups that you know you have to find that right balance sometimes those chat rooms are helpful and sometimes they're they can not be so helpful so that could be another resource if you find the right one you said um the pandemic
0: has allowed for virtual groups and meetings What has the pandemic done as far as um, couples seeking help? You mentioned some support groups, but on the flip side, I could see how it would be very difficult to go through a pandemic and be
1: dealing with infertility issues at the same time. Personally, um, in our practice, we've seen a lot of people that are seeking fertility help right now. Um, For lots of different reasons, Um, actively trying to conceive, maybe doing some fertility preservation like egg freezing or embryo freezing. People have taken a little bit of a pause. They're not as busy as far as travel, whether it's work or pleasure. So they, and they're thinking through their life goals. And they also have been very honest. They're like, it's so much easier to go through an IVF cycle when you're not having to make up excuses to leave the office. So there's lots of um, activity and people really seeking fertility care right now. And as far as support, people are still able to find that all of the things that I just mentioned, like one-on-one support, therapists are doing an amazing job switching to, you know, Zoom or team meetings in order to respect the pandemic, but also give that mental health support. And then the virtual and online support groups are just fantastic. And you mentioned
0: um, online and all these, you know, it depends a little bit kind of what forum you're on, but I know you are very active on TikTok and I saw you have about 250,000 followers. How has that changed the narrative, especially for younger men and women?
1: Yeah, so um, I have been on social media for a few years, mainly Instagram and Facebook. And I really gave TikTok a try about a year, year and a half ago. And it has been such a fun, creative outlet. Um, Honestly, in the pandemic, a way to connect with people, a way to continue the education because I couldn't give as many talks, you know, as I was used to. And um, it really has reached a little bit of a younger crowd but I will say that there are a lot of people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and even more on TikTok. It is not just dancing teenagers anymore. And TikTok is really trying to foster an educational piece. And they I'm a part of this creator network where they really want us to create medical, accurate, evidence-based, you know, education on TikTok. And it's pretty fascinating.
0: Um. It's fun. I like TikTok, so I will have to go through all your videos because I saw there's a lot. So um, I saw that actually on King 5, we did a story on the rise in egg fertility, uh, excuse me, um, egg freezing. What have you seen in terms of egg freezing during the pandemic and people putting off having a family?
1: I think that um, people do fertility preservation, which could either be egg freezing or freezing embryos with, a, you know, a an egg and sperm together. Um, and I would say there's definitely a rise in it and it's for so many different reasons. I think for some reasons, I mean, the sort of narrative is, is that a typical egg freezing patient is a, a career driven woman who, you know, wants to focus on her career, um, and, you know, put off childbearing and, studies actually show, it's really that most women just haven't found that right partner. They found that right partner. They might've started their family earlier. Um, And so in that narrative and what I've seen a lot of are people who are sort of saying, gosh, I'm not sure when the pandemic's going to be over. I'm not sure when I'm going to find a partner that seems like it's going to be even harder as people aren't getting together in a typical way. And so they're like, I want to Take advantage of this now and not feel so pressured to feel like I have to find that life partner.
0: I can understand that. Um, Dr. Shaheen, before we wrap this up, I just wanted to ask you this is a typical question we ask in news whenever we're doing an interview. So it's just to ask you if there's anything I haven't asked or anything else that you want to share that you think would be relevant to this conversation.
1: No, well, I very much appreciate coming on here to talk about fertility and miscarriage and especially support because infertility is more common than we think and it can be surrounded in shame and it doesn't have to be. And so the more we talk about it and share and help each other find that support, the better we're all going to be. And so thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for being on the podcast. That's it for this week's episode. Once again, that was Dr. Laura Shaheen, a fertility doctor with offices in Seattle and Bellevue. And you can find links to Dr. Shaheen's practice and blog in our show notes. You'll also find links to some financing and grant options. Some nonprofits help finance all or part of infertility treatments. I'm Jessica Janner Castro, and you've been listening to the Mindful Headlines podcast. My goal with each episode is to understand how our minds influence current events so we can better understand our world inside and out. Make sure to subscribe for more episodes and please share with your friends and family. See you next time.